Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I am TK, joined by Andrew Holly. Holly, how we doing, man? Uh, what can you say? You know, it was it was a season that shoot. If you had talked to us at the bye week and and told us, hey, we were going to host a playoff game and win the division, but lose out, okay. You know, I I mean, I I it was disappointing. You know, Lamar Jackson had had his worst game as a pro. You know, whatever you want to say, fans were leaving early, pissing off all the players. You know, mm-hmm. and ended up kind of a in a frustrating way. But I'll tell you what, it was a fun season, and I'm excited for the future. That was my takeaway. How about you? Yeah, uh, I mean, just things went wrong at the worst time for the Ravens. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. I, I think. The defense played well enough to to keep us in the game and win. The other two phases of the game let us down. So, I mean, obviously the the Chargers defeated the Ravens in the wild card round on Sunday. You know, we're sitting here on uh, Wednesday, the ninth recording. So we have a lot of new information that has come out as far as the coaching carousel and things like that. So, you know, we want to talk about the game, but we also want to look forward because you know, like we've said, there's so many things to be excited about for the Ravens next season, but there's also going to be a lot of changes that come as well. So let's just talk really quick about the offense. I mean, man, we just were overmatched from the first snap until maybe the fourth quarter. I mean, that was just an they really were clinic put on by the Chargers. They really were. You know, they took they took that formation that we saw in that Cleveland game with their with their front and just bunching up the middle and making sure they would stop those inside runs and that just completely shut down the offense. You know, um it certainly doesn't help when, you know, Dixon fumbles, you know, and all of that early in the game, but you know, it was it was definitely, as I said before, it was Lamar Jackson's, in a lot of respects, his worst game as a pro. Yet, you look at his numbers, you know, they aren't that far away from his usual numbers. Maybe a little less rushing yards at 54, but he still led the team. He had almost 200 yards passing, which is pretty close to what he's averaged for the most part, And I, I think. I'm not looking at his averages. Mm-hmm. And and quite frankly, his, his pick... I'll have to watch the highlights again, but I very well think it, it's a ball that could have been caught that bounced off and ricocheted to the defender. So there are things that happened in the game that made things worse for Lamar, but it, it certainly, I mean, he was sacked seven times. It was his worst game as a pro. He fumbled three times, lost one. You know, it was, he was overmatched. And because of that, the offense was a bit overmatched. But I will say this, everybody calling for Joe Flacco to come into the game, Lamar then responded with two touchdowns and almost brought the Ravens back. Yeah. So now, granted, he fumbled, you know, the last, essentially the last play of the game. But, you know, that I that I think I blame more on the line than him. He, he couldn't do anything. He was going back to pass. It's not like he was poor ball security. But, you know, I mean, he still had – he still brought the team back. He still had that magic. He still had that razzle-dazzle. And you've got to like that. I mean, you know, I, I don't think anyone 
would have gone into this season either now, you know, knowing that Lamar Jackson was going to start or before, of course, when you didn't think he was going to start and say this is a Super Bowl team. I mean, I never wanted to just say that because I was always hopeful, but this this was a flawed team. You know, there's no way a team that is as one-dimensional as they were on offense is going to go all the way. You you have to be really something special. And unfortunately, they proved they they weren't. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I apologize for the uh, interruption there. I got my dog in the recording studio. I know you got yours in the studio with you, too. They're helping us uh, cope here. But I think it all yeah, we're, we're a dog-friendly podcast. Um, so I think it, it comes down to kind of a little bit of arrogance by Marty Morningweg and Greg Roman because by all accounts, you know, from the Chargers, the Ravens didn't make any adjustments from yeah. there the was first nothing. game. I mean, you think about make... those games where I'm not – not to interrupt you, but it's like you think about those games we talked about where it was like they were changing things up with Lamar just for shits and giggles, you know, against teams he hadn't faced before. Well, this was the time to do that, you know, not let's keep handing it off and trying to run up the middle when they're prepared for it. So I'm with you there. That was ridiculous. Yeah, and, and, and not even week to week, but half to half. You know, after after halftime, there was like almost no adjustments made there either. You know, and, and and you know now that now the Chargers come out and say that Ronnie Stanley was tipping his plays, I think it. it I think there was a certain level of arrogance by Morningweg to not make any adjustments, and then there's just a lack of yeah. scouting yourself. I guess is is the way that, to say it because yeah. as much as you scout the other team, you got to look at yourselves too. You know, what can we change? What are we? What can we do better? What do we not do well? And and there was sure. just none of that. It it. it really was a detriment to this entire offense from the get-go because you know by by the Chargers accounts they pretty much knew a hundred percent of the plays that were coming you know and and it it just stuck us behind the eight ball from the get-go and you know I, I think that's fairly inexcusable by the offensive coaching staff I mean obviously give a ton of credit to the defensive coaching staff for the Chargers they were they had a great plan. They had seven yeah. defensive backs on the field for what all but one snap yeah. and and you know we never went big. You know our our tight ends didn't get that many snaps. So I it just kind of strange to me that none of those things happened. You know there were no adjustments. We didn't see I mean, we didn't see that they had so many DBs on the field. So, hey, let's throw an extra tight end in there and, and block these guys up. And, and that never happened. And that is the frustrating part to me. I mean, look, the offensive line itself was horrible. And I think a lot of that has to do with just not being schematically prepared. You know, you bring up a lot of great points. I, I, I just – this is what – Unfortunately, you know, and we'll probably get to this in a little bit, but, you know, the unfortunate thing about keeping a, a John Harbaugh as your head coach is that he's probably not going to change any of his staff. He's too loyal to his guys. And that's my biggest problem with, with John Harbaugh. I would want, I mean, it looked, at this point, as we're talking right now, there's no reason to think that John Harbaugh is not going to be the head coach of this team, you know, next season. Mm -hmm. And 
are we really excited to be going with Marty Morningwag as the offensive tutor, you know, to our future? I'm not. I mean, maybe Greg Roman because he's a you know offensive running you know juggernaut. He did stuff with the Niners. Maybe that. Maybe I'd be okay with him because at least he kind of did it with Kaepernick. But I don't know, man. Morning, morning. I know he had success with Vic and all that stuff. I've just never really been a fan. And I would love to see us go out and get keep John Harbaugh fine. But go out and get some young dynamic coach to work with Greg Roman and figure something else out than than Marty Ball. I don't know. Am I wrong? No, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think there is a certain value to maintaining some consistency for Lamar as his development um, sure. continues. I think I think there is something to be said for that. It just really isn't sitting well with me. I'm not looking to replace an offensive – yeah, I mean, I'm sorry to speak over you there. I'm not looking to have a situation where we're having a new offensive coordinator every year. But I also don't want to waste the first, you know, two to three years of of Lamar's career with Marty Morningwine as his offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, look, like I mentioned before, there are a ton of decisions that need to be made in this offseason. There's a lot of changes that might come, and, and yeah. really, this might be one of them. I, I do prefer I don't think, having some I don't, continuity. I think he's safe, though. That's 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 the frustrating thing, is I think he's safe. You know, yeah. you look at, you know, as much as we're sitting here and criticizing, look at the changes they made in the bye week. I mean, you really, when it comes down to it, take your jerk fan glasses off and you've got to give these guys praise. I mean, they turned a situation that was, you know, looking at the top 15 picks in the draft to, you know, hosting a first round playoff game and winning the division. So, I mean, hats off, but the reality, unfortunately of the NFL is what have you done for me lately? And I don't know, at some point, I think we're going to get real frustrated with, uh, you know, the morning wag offensive scheme. Yeah, it's certainly true. I mean, I mean, you hear so many guys say, you know, oh, the NFL, it, hum- it has its way of humbling you every week. Uh, I mean, I hope that's the case with Marty after this game because it was the first first team to see Lamar twice and, you know, this offense twice. And if you make no adjustments and kind of just say, hey, you know, you couldn't stop it the first time, try to stop us now, and then they do it and they make you look as bad as they did for three quarters, um, I don't know. It, it just doesn't sit well for me. I, I do kind of prefer some continuity uh, in, in the coaching staff, especially because Joe Flacco had so much turnover, and you know that might be sure. kind of the thing that never really vaulted him up into that truly elite echelon. We'll never know, but you know, I, yeah. I, I would I would rather have some continuity. So maybe some. If of the only rights- Kubiak had stayed two yeah. or three more years, yeah. you know, before he went back to Denver. You know, obviously that was the smart move. You know, they won a Super Bowl with Hate Manning, but you know, to have that sort of talent, I mean, and that and that's what I'm talking about with Lamar. You know, we we struggled so much, like you said, with Flacco, with these, you know, just coordinators. You're just like, come on, what are we doing? There's no innovation. Now that said, there has been some innovation with their offense because of mm-hmm. 
the different running schemes and the pistol formation and some of the stuff they've done. So I'm not trying to say they're not, you know, in, in a lot of respects, treading, treading some new, new roads, but I, I just, I, I want to see someone that really is an offensive genius that comes in here and some young dynamic coach. I don't know. I mean, of course you get those young dynamic coaches and then they get hired as head coaches. So I don't know. Yeah, Maybe um, we're better off with a with a Marty Morningway that you know is just going to be your offensive coordinator. Yeah, you, you never know, and and I guess really the only thing we can do is wait and see. I mean, we we all yeah. have our our wish list for the off season, and it seems like this one is is near the top of the list for you. But I don't know. So I mean, I did want to kind of mention well, some I of think, the. Yeah, go ahead. I, I did kind of want to mention some of the bright spots from the offense, and there weren't many, but they mostly came in that fourth quarter. Uh, the first was, uh, I guess if you can say it now, is Lamar Jackson's uh, Mahomes-esque play, you know, scrambling around and, and finding Kenneth yeah. Dixon back over the middle. I mean, that was, I mean, that's that's what he can do for you. I, I mean, it was a tremendous play. And and you know that I thought that was a really nice nice play by him, it, despite his struggles and you know being chased all around the field. I thought that was a really nice play for him, and and he did make some really nice throws. I mean, finding Crabtree deep down the sideline for the touchdown was a great throw. Mm-hmm. You know, he connected on those balls, and and yeah, you can say that the Chargers took their ga- uh, foot off the gas, but he still made the throws and he made the plays, and and that's all you can ask from him when when he gets the opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, I you know, people wanted Joe Flacco to come in and play. Well, what was Joe Flacco going to do but throw two touchdowns? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, I, I think to, to for those people saying, oh, Flacco should have but Flacco was not going to bring us back. You know, it's like you've, you've made the decision. Lamar Jackson is the quarterback. You know, you, you've got to stick with him. And he, he made good plays in the fourth quarter, like you said. I mean, we scored 14 points. We came back. We had a chance. We had a drive at the end of the game. Granted, it was one play, but we had one drive at the end of the game to, you know, win the ball game. Mm-hmm. And what more can you really ask for, you know, out of a team you other than winning, you know, but but to have that chance. And, you know, it's, it's definitely a positive. Yeah, I texted you during the game, and, and I said, I'm surprised that they didn't make the change. And that, that wasn't to say that I wanted them to make a change, but I just had a feeling that, uh, you know, due to Harbaugh and Flacco's histories, things like that, you know, they might they might uh, put Flacco into the game to kind of jolt uh, the offense. But look, I mean, that front four from the Chargers would have eaten Flacco alive the way that the offensive oh, line was playing. he would have been destroyed. Yeah. He would have been destroyed. I mean, you think about it, you know, Joe Flacco thrives when he has a running game and he's got good protection. Neither of those things were happening with him in the ball game. The only running game we were really getting was from Lamar Jackson when he was running out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, the only other – you think of our other rushing leaders – Gus Edwards, eight carries for 23 yards, his by far worst game since he's been yeah. a starter. Kenneth Dixon, six yards, six carries for 13 yards. Obviously, he did have the three catches for 53, but still his worst running game in a few games for Kenneth Dixon. He's been a powerhouse out of the backfield. So it was, you know, the Ravens were being eaten apart by that Chargers defensive line, 
And there was nothing that Joe Flacco was going to do, you know, to, to help that out. I mean, you, if anything, it's the point where you take Joe Flacco out and put in Lamar Jackson because he can run around and make a play. So that's, you know, if that was, if that was the choice, that's when you make that move because the guy's got more mobility in the pocket. Don't take the guy out. Like you said, with no mobility in the pocket or, or with the mobility in the pocket for the guy that doesn't have any more mobility in the pocket, you know? So anyway, I think it, it's, I mean, in some respects, I guess it would have been a good way for Joe to at least have one more, you know, drive, I guess, I guess that's the only bad thing about it not being a blowout, you know, in that sense is Flacco didn't have his last, you know, drive. Um, but you know, I don't know. I think, uh, I think in the end, you know, as we've said the last couple of weeks, we've seen so much bad quarterback play in Baltimore. You first have to praise Joe for being the absolute best bar none quarterback in franchise history. Mm-hmm. And you've got to praise Lamar for being close to the best rookie quarter. You, I mean, we got to put I mean, the best rookie quarterback in history for the Ravens is Flacco. I mean, <laughs> yeah. at this point, at, at this point, Lamar is right up with him as far as rookie performances, you know, so, Hey, it's, it's the future is bright. And, and we have to say this before we talk about anything else is thank you, Ozzy. And what an amazing run he has had leading this team and creating the fandom that we all have essentially mm-hmm. from nothing. I mean, I know you're, you're a bit younger than me. I'm, I remember the years where Baltimore did not have a football team and it sucked. And here the Browns moved to Baltimore and they still, the team sucked, but at least it was a team and Ozzie Newsome built that team into a powerhouse NFL team. And you just can't say enough about Ozzie Newsome. Yeah. Ozzie, I, I mean, through the drafts or what, the free agents that he brought in, you know, you know, fairly consistently year in and out, put a, put a pretty, fairly impressive product out on the field. So, um, I mean, think about his bookend drafts. Mm-hmm. You know, how they may turn out. You know, the first, his first draft ever ends up with two Hall of Famers, Pro Bowler, Jermaine Lewis. I'm trying to think if we had, I think, Kim Herring in that draft. He might have been later. But regardless, we had those three players star for our Super Bowl team. His last draft, Lamar, the Mandrews, mm-hmm. maybe Hayden Hurst turns into something, Orlando Brown Jr. You know, you we've got these players, you know, Kenny Young, you know, this, it looks like a pretty stacked draft. You know, hopefully that plays out as we move forward. But pretty impressive, pretty impressive resume for Ozzy. More than impressive. And, you know, if you can get a gold jacket twice, I think he's definitely due for one. For sure. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and Eric DaCosta's definitely got some big shoes to fill. Um, big old work, shoes. Yeah, we're... we're Working with Ozzy for for that long probably serves him pretty well, but you know, definitely some big shoes to fill. I'm excited to see what he brings to the table as the GM. Um, but yeah, definitely, congrats Ozzy on on a fantastic run as the as the Ravens GM. 
Were there any other things that you wanted to mention on the offense? I think, you know, we'll talk about some of the changes coming forward, but, you know, interior offensive line, sure. wide receiver, a lot of, lot of upgrades that, or, yeah, or maybe I just mean, turnover that might happen. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, a lot of turnover again. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Crabtree. John Brown's a free agent. Um, I, I think you keep Snead. I think I, I'd be surprised if Snead left mainly because he seemed to, out of all the wide receivers, get the best rapport with with Lamar, you know, at times. Um, maybe that's just me, but I felt like he had he was a safety valve. You want to keep those guys. I think I think, you know, as far as the wide receiver position and and these guys may be the the, the ones to do it, but I think getting that off season of playing with Lamar and understanding his quirks, you know, the way that he delivers the ball from different angles, how he can scramble around and they need to make sure they're coming back to him. You know, all that stuff that changed so much when this offense moved from Flacco to Lamar, you know, they're going to have that much more time to develop that relationship. So hopefully there will be that significant jump from year one to year two as far as his throwing yards. Now, I'm not expecting a 4,000 yards passing season from Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson, but 3,000 plus with all of his rushing yards would be absolutely dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, two guys that the Ravens drafted this past year are Jordan Lastly and Jaleel Scott. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of fit back into the picture after being inactive all year and Scott was on IR. So, yeah, I mean, that position will be very interesting. I think the interior offensive line probably needs some work. Um, you know, yeah. you know, uh, James Hurst had a very, very tough game at left guard. I mean, I, I think that that back injury probably lingered a little bit more than we thought. Um, I think Matt Skura had a really tough game. It will, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with Bozeman, who was a center yeah. in college but played mostly guard uh, this season. I mean, except for this game – Bozeman was pretty solid, so, you know, does he kind of usurp one of these uh, inside spots? You got Alex Lewis, you got Nico Saragusa, all uh, different interior guys who are assets on this team, but you got to decide what to do with them. And then on the right guard spot, Marshall Yonda played of the offensive line. He probably played the best. Um, He's getting up there as far as age goes as well, so could be a lot of turnover there. I mean, I think Yonda sticks around, but... You never know what's going to happen on that inside of the interior of the line that proved to be so important for that inside running game. Yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see what we'll talk about the cap and, and guys we can cut in a minute. But it would be interesting to see the Ravens go out and get and I have no idea who's potentially available, but get a veteran center. You know, get that guy that can come in like Matt Burke did mm-hmm. and settle everything down in the middle. And and maybe someone a little younger than Matt Burke, but but I think if the Ravens do this right, they're going to have some money to spend in key spots, you know. So it's going to be, you know, I, I I need to see how, you know, I haven't done enough research to 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 know what they think the cap number is going to be. I know that varies greatly mm-hmm. from year to year, and sometimes it, they get more the next year than they did the the previous, but. You know, the Ravens should be able to cut about $25 million off their cap with three players. 
you know, so mm-hmm. not saying they're going to do that, but certainly Joe Flacco is going to be gone. That's 10 million. So centers don't go for that much. You know, you should be able to get a center if you front load the deal. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud, but, mm-hmm. but I agree with you completely. The, the, the interior offensive line is definitely questionable. Bozeman is an interesting figure to see how they fit. We'll see how the front office and the coaching staff value him. You know, they seem to value him pretty well because he seemed to be playing in big spots Mm -hmm. occasionally due to injuries. You know, Hurst is an interesting, you know, that it's still the, the extension to Hurst last year still surprises me even to this day, even though he's been solid at, at guard and can be that swing guy to tackle. But that still surprises me that we signed him to a long-term deal, but there's no question with Yonda getting up there in age, interior offensive line has to be up there on the list. I'm not, I don't know that I would make that the first pick because I, you know, from everything I've read this year, defense is the, the way to go in the draft, but you know, at least in the first round, but certainly something to target for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe, maybe before we flip it over to talking about the, the, the Ravens defense, um, Joe Flacco, the way he handled the media, the way he handled the game, I was really impressed with him. I mean, he is he is a guy's guy. He's a great teammate. I think he handled this season very well. I mean, as well as you can ask somebody to. So, uh, you know, thank you to Joe for that, and thank you for, you know, 11 years of the best quarterback that the Ravens franchise has seen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get ready for the Joe Flacco statue outside of uh, M&T Bank Stadium. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, that people have to understand that. I mean, you know, Flacco got so much crap from so many people for so long. He's the best damn quarterback in this franchise's history. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly hope as the years move forward that people really recognize that. And maybe, you know – He's not the Unitas of this franchise. You know, maybe he's the Burt Jones of this franchise, you know. But, you know, it's still, at this point, Joe Flacco is by far the greatest quarterback that this town has seen since the Colts left. So, I, you got to embrace it. You got to praise the class he showed as you said i mean nothing but love for joe flacco i hope he goes somewhere and not to the ravens detriment but goes and wins a super bowl for another team so that all those people that call him not an elite quarterback can go suck an egg yeah dude i mean if he goes somewhere else guess who shows back up is motivated joe flacco so yeah. Look, hat tip to number five. Uh, you know, that I mean, that's. Do you retire Joe say. Flacco's number? I know that in football you don't really do that as much because there's so many players. But I, would you retire Joe Flacco's I five? Do think, I do if you think were an Oriole, ring of honor guy. Yeah. Oh, I he's definitely he's a ring. ring of honor. There's no question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know about retiring. Yeah, he's not a number. 52 or a 75. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not that kind of or a 20. Yeah. You know, but but still, actually, have we retired Reed, Reed's number yet? Have I think we? we did earlier. This Nobody season. else is twenty, right? Did we? Okay. Yeah. But um, anyway, I should know that. Things yeah, I should know. 
Yeah, I mean, mentioning Reed, I mean, he was a honorary captain for the team and, and the defense. I, I think they probably did Reed and Ray very, very proud. I mean, they, they played their, their butts off in this game. They did everything they could to uh, to keep the Ravens team in this. Uh, they were just put in too many bad positions. You know, field position was atrocious yeah. all day. But, I mean, I think that they should be really proud of the way that they played. I mean, MVP of this game, I mean, not to take it away from the defense because we'll get back to him in a moment, but has to be Bagley, the kicker for the Chargers. Because, yeah. I mean, without him, you know, they lose this game. I mean, he accounted for 50 points, a 53-yard field goal. He was making everything. I mean, when you think that the the worst kicker on the day was Justin Tucker, you know it's been a bad day for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I mean, shoot, five of six field goals. I mean, that's that's the – it's two things. It's the mark of a good kicker, but it's also the mark of a good defense that was holding them up in the red zone mm-hmm. and and making them kick field goals. And it's a shame that the offense wasn't able to kick in earlier to take advantage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at that third quarter, and, and this kind of brings the special teams in it too, which I'm not really overall pleased with the special teams because they made some big plays, but you know they gave up a ton of field position on some returns and not some not so great punts by uh, Sam Cook and Tucker misses a kick. But if you look at that third quarter, we got a block field goal, we got a forced fumble, and we force a punt. And the offense can only score three points. I mean, I'm not sure what else you're you're, you're asking yeah. your defense to do for you. Yeah. I mean... No, it, you're it, totally right. Yeah, I mean, we, like, all of that happened, and that the score of that quarter, that third quarter, was Chargers 7, Ravens 3. I mean, I like, you just... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it's else crazy. to say about the defense. They played, they put together a, a tremendous effort... Um, you know, they forced the turnover at a crucial point. Um, Justin Tucker had a crucial missed field goal. I think that kind of would have changed the game quite a bit. Um, it would have. I mean, you think about just the last drive alone, letting it, having it be 23-20, you know, makes it that much more interesting. And would we have gone for two? And, you know, so then it would have been 23-21 and we could have kicked the field goal. And now, obviously, if, the sack fumble happens anyway. It doesn't matter, right. but but yeah, that that field goal miss was a lot bigger than, and you knew it would be mm-hmm. because he never misses. So when he does miss, it's usually bad, which sucks. Mm-hmm. But it's just you get so used to having the best kicker in football. When he has a bad day, you usually lose, and unfortunately, he had a bad day. Yeah, I mean, we said it earlier this season, we are so spoiled by Justin Tucker that when he does miss, it stings that much extra. Um, yeah. Yeah, he didn't He didn't have a great day. That The the onside kick there at the end didn't go the way that we wanted. Yeah. I mean, he is still zero over in onside kick attempts. I think the new they were saying that the new rule changes kind of make it a little bit harder, but... Uh, yeah, you can't stack the one side of the field mm-hmm. like they used to. Yeah, but look, uh, you can't have two phases of the game let you down and expect to win, no. especially against a twelve and four Chargers team. Um, you know who nope. didn't really light it up offensively. 
you know, what did they average? They like really did. Seven yards of play, something like that. I mean, that's that's tremendous effort by the defense again. I mean, they did the same thing a couple weeks yeah. ago to the Chargers. So that's I mean, I mean they they sell they held them to under a hundred rushing yards mm-hmm. as a team. You know, I mean, Philip Rivers only had only had a hundred and sixty passing yards, but no picks. You know, only sacked once. You know that if anything. That was the problem, you know, for the for the defense was the lack of consistent pressure on Rivers that we saw that first game. Uh-huh. You know that that he didn't necessarily have a better stat line, but he was hit a lot more, and and it affected his play, and they weren't able to make the plays they were able to make. Now, obviously, we gave him some short fields, and there were some other you know, other things that happened, but, but yeah, this defense played really well and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to fill some of the holes because there definitely will be some losses from this defense. Um, I would imagine at least after the season. Yeah. I, I mean, look, just like the offense, there's going to be a lot of turnover here as well. I mean, we have some very key free agents. I think the, the biggest name is Terrell Suggs. Uh, you know, is he going to be brought back? I mean, he said that he wants to come back to the Ravens. Zadarius Smith is is a free agent. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of big CJ Mosley. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So Mosley. here's I wrote it down. Here are the the one the the free agents of note. We've got Suggs, Mosley, as you said, Zadarius Smith. Uh, Urban is a free agent. Mm-hmm. Buck Allen is a free agent. Ty Montgomery is a free agent. Max Williams is a free agent. John Brown is a free agent. Nick Boyle is a free agent, which I find that interesting because he, cause he's so important in that H-back blocking tight end role. Mm-hmm. And then I also brought up RG3 because do you bring RG3 back to be the yeah. backup quarterback? At this point, I say yes. You know, I think he's, he's the guy we probably want to have come back if he's willing. You know, but then talking about guys on defense that other guys we could lose – Jimmy Smith, we could save $9.5 million on the cap by cutting or trading Jimmy Smith. Mm-hmm. We could we could save $6.5 million on Weddle. We could save $5 million on Carr. Now, those last two, I, I worry about getting too crazy cutting players on defense because you don't, you know, unless we get a stud corner or, or, a stud safety in the draft, I would shy away from getting rid of all three of those players or certainly two out of three of those players. I would, I would personally keep Carr for at least one more season and, and find a young corner in the draft that can, that can play with Tavon Young and Kennedy and some of these other younger, younger players we have. And well, obviously Humphrey, but mm-hmm. but you know, as far as competing for for that second corner role, you know, I think Humphrey certainly has established himself as the number one at this point. You know, and then certainly if if I think this is where you look back at the draft last year and go, and his name escapes me. James is it James? Derwin but, yeah, James, Derwin yeah. James with the Chargers, mm-hmm. who you know, let's say the Ravens would have been able to do what they did in the draft, but instead of Hurst got James. I don't think that's realistic, but let's say that happened. That's when you say, okay, you cut Weddle. 
because you've got this guy to step in to be the quarterback of the defense. I don't know that we have that player yet. I don't think you, you can lose potentially Weddle, C.J. Mosley, and a Terrell Suggs all in the same offseason from that defense. That changes a lot about both about the locker room and about how that defense operates. So I think I think you've got to keep some veteran leadership, which is, which is why I think Suggs, for one, I think is coming back. I'd be surprised. Yeah. I think they're going to do the – the, okay, go out like they did with Ray. Go out and see what people want to pay you and then come back to us and we'll let you know if we'll match it. You know, I think I think they're probably going to do that with Sizzle and I think he's coming back. Weddle's interesting. Like I said, he, you know, if we can find a young safety in the draft, again, I don't, I'll have to look and see what, I have to start doing some draft research and seeing what's out there, but at, from all from everything I've seen, it sounds like this is a defensive heavy draft. Yep. So you know, between corner and between safety, I think in the first round, you know, unless there is some stud young wide receiver out there, like we say every year, you know, unless that guy is there, I think you've got to go impact defender somewhere, even outside linebacker. Quite quite frankly, because. We're probably going to – I think Zardarius Smith is gone. I think he's definitely gone. I think Urban's probably gone for more than we want to spend. You know, Mosley had a fantastic game, 12 tackles, 6 solo. I mean, he's been everything we could want short of him being Ray Lewis. I don't know if he comes back. We'll see how much money someone wants to spend on him. I mean, that's that's where I get worried about Mosley is some team like the Browns or some team yep. that has ridiculous cap space is going to come along and blow money. The Raiders, you know, um, I guarantee you that um, what's the guy from NFL Network that just got hired? Mike, uh, Mike Mayock, uh, their new GM. Yes, thank you. Mike Mayock. He, can't tell me Mike Mike Mike, Mike Mayock doesn't love CJ Mosley. I guarantee you he and Gruden would love to go after him. They've got cap space. You know, so that's where I worry. I think he's he's important, but we've got Peanut Onwaso and we've got Kenny Young. So it's not the worst thing in the world to lose CJ Mosley, but I think you still need to get depth at linebacker. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what what happens on this defense is fascinating to me just because of what you mentioned, that leadership is a lot of the guys that may not be brought back. Um, mm-hmm. You need some continuity there, and you're going to need a new signal caller. You know, say C.J. Mosley and Eric Weddle, like neither of them come back. You know, who gets that green sticker now that we made such a big deal about yeah. early this season? You know, uh, Pino Nwaso kind of struggled with it. Do you give it to a second year Kenny Young? Uh, you know he's still you a give it to Tony player. Jefferson. Well, that's the other I mean, guy that Tony I Jefferson to still is yet. Yeah, Tony Tony Jefferson is still yet to prove to me that. Oh my gosh, we found this young superstar player that he was billed as when we got him from the Chiefs, um, or excuse me, from uh, the Cardinals. From the Cardinals. 
Right. And, you know, and he's, um, he's a guy that might not be back either. I mean, you know, that's yeah. I mean, obviously not a guarantee uh, that, that he's going to get cut or whatever the case may be. But I mean, for as big as a contract that he has and, and as big as a salary cap hit as he has, he might not be back either. So there's going to be a lot of new faces, which is kind of odd to think about when you have a yeah. n- number one, number two defense, you know, this much turnover and even on think such about a the good depth. unit. Look at look at guys like Tim Williams, Tyus Bowser, guys mm-hmm. that that haven't proven to be worth where they were picked mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. Guys that you know we we talked about before the show. We're not going to do a bulletin board. Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. Players like Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams, you are on the bulletin board because they're going to go out and they're going to draft some stud young defenders. And you better bust your ass in the offseason mm-hmm. to be a hell of a lot better than you have been these first two seasons. Yep. I mean, I'll tell you what, I was fired up, especially about Bowser. Yeah. I mean, me I too. thought he was going to be, you know, this great coverage, move him inside. He can, he can cover some guys and rush the passer. He has done nothing but be a okay special teams player. Yep. Even and then you've got Tim Williams, Tim Williams who's. Yeah, even less from the guy that was so heralded in college. And granted, they said all he could do is rush the passer. Well, we've barely even seen that when he's been on the field. So he can't even be the, you know, rush specialist on the team. So there's there's a lot that needs to be done. I mean, you think about, you know, obviously, I think Brandon Williams, you keep him for at least another Another year, we'll see what his cap hit are hit is. Excuse me, but you know Pierce is somebody you're going to have to think about resigning real soon, mm-hmm. or he's going to get a lot of money as a free agent. Yep. You know, guys like Wormley, you know, who are young, solid players. Judon, you know, there's going to be there needs to be a lot of development from a, a lot of these younger players because you know, as you said, there's the really the potential, if not this season, certainly after next a lot of the veteran leadership is going to leave. It might be a season too early to let go of Weddle and let go of Carr. But after next season, I can pretty pretty much say they're gone. You know, it's one more season for both of those. I don't think you can look at either of those players and think you've got them for 2020. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and, you know, two other guys that we can really look at that – that really need to step up and, and try to take a role on this team, especially at the safety spot. I mean, the safety spot is so interesting to me. Uh, Chuck Clark could be a guy that steps in and takes a starting role. I know that they really like him, and I know that uh, you know he, he is a key special teams guy, but is he starting safety caliber? And the, the other guy that yeah. I want to bring up is, is somebody that you mentioned briefly early on is Maurice Kennedy. You know, everybody says, yeah. you know, he was a starting caliber corner. You know, unfortunately, he had he got hurt this season. You know, can he get back to that level? Every season. Yeah. And, I mean, can he Every get back season. to that level and, and play well enough at corner to be a starter so that you have that uh, ability to move on from Jimmy Smith? Because, yeah, look, Kennedy's got tremendous size, too. And another yeah. intriguing part about Kennedy is that he could move to free safety. I mean, he's got the body yeah, for it. Not you a know. bad idea. So that so secondary that's interesting is so thought. interesting. 
Then you've got even Averett, who's mm-hmm. another player who's who could be that Tavon Young sort of, you know, to play along inside, you know, as a smaller corner, you know, nickel corner sometimes on the outside. They seem to like him quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. So I think there is some well, there's some intriguing de- I don't know if there's deep depth in the defensive yeah. backfield, but yeah. there's intriguing depth in the defensive backfield because I agree with you completely about Kennedy. I I'm, I'm what I'm tired about is hearing every offseason about how great he looks and how he intercepted the ball three times in practice during training camp. And then they put him on IR at the end of training camp because or preseason yeah. because of an ankle or something like that. You know, that happens almost every year. I, I, I'm kind of getting tired of it. And then by the time he gets healthy and they bring him back, if they do, he's never able or hasn't been able to establish himself into that player that you want him to be. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Definitely going to be interesting. So let me ask you this. What are your biggest positions of need for the Ravens? Um, so they are going to be two that I mentioned. It's going to be the interior offensive line, you know, a guard on either side. Um, you know, I kind of envision Bozeman sliding back over to center and getting mm-hmm. a um, – getting a good left guard or even a right guard in this in this draft um you know not to say that i want to move on from yonda i think that just having depth uh, an understudy a solid understudy would be important because you've also got first at left guard so and he's signed so he's going to be on the team so i think that's a smart move and actually that's a way to save some money on the offensive line is you get that you know third fourth round guard that can sit behind much like marshall yanda Mm-hmm. who was a tackle guard coming out of, was it Iowa? Iowa, yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then you let him groom for a year behind a Yonda, who he may retire after next year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, th- those are smart. Those are smart areas. For me, for me, it's safety and then linebacker. You know, I think as yeah. we just said, those are two areas where I think we need better depth. Uh, we have some intriguing depth in both areas, but especially linebacker that depth goes down pretty quickly, especially if you lose our Darius Smith and Suggs and CJ Mosley. Um, those are some big, big, big players that are, are not going to potentially or potentially not going to be on the Ravens next year. You know, there are other areas that I am intrigued about as well. You know, if, if there was a player out there like a Kyle use he would be perfect for this offense. You know, for some reason, if, the Niners were to cut him. I would want him to come back to the Ravens. How amazing would that be to have that kind of a weapon as a fullback in this offense with Lamar Jackson? So that's that's the kind of thing I'm going to be interested in seeing. Is there that hybrid player out there? If that can replace Max Williams and Nick Boyle with an actual fullback, that can stay on the field longer, maybe run the ball a bit, be a good pass catcher, block all those things that the old school fullbacks did. But he's in the he's in the backfield in a pistol formation with Lamar Jackson and another running back. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's what I'm intrigued to see. I want to see how the Ravens, if they really go all in on this style of offense because in that case too they need a running back because as much as i enjoyed watching gus edwards 
and Kenneth Dixon. I think we can both agree they're limited in some respects. I think neither of those guys are bell cow backs. They're perfect for the, you know, if you're going to have a committee, great. I think they're okay. But another way to help out Lamar is find him that young stud back that they've got to worry about just as much as Lamar running the ball. Because as much as people worry about Gus Edwards, they're more worried about Lamar Jackson. If you had yeah. Ezekiel Elliott, not that there's Ezekiel Elliott available for the Ravens to choose in the 20s whenever they're the thing, they're like the 22nd pick or something like that. Not that that player is going to be there. But you put that kind of talent, a Saquon Barkley in the same backfield as the Lamar Jackson, wow. I mean, who do you stop? Who do you choose? You're never going to be able to stop that. So, I mean, that's that's the other thing you look at. Do they try to find those kind of weapons? Do they try to find those wide receivers that are used to those offenses with running quarterbacks so they know how to run back towards the ball? You know, for example – this sounds crazy, but let's say Antonio Brown somehow gets cut by the Steelers. That probably won't happen, but let's say he gets cut by the Steelers with all the acrimony that's going on. He's the perfect kind of player, or an yeah. Emmanuel Sanders. That kind of receiver that knows how to play with a quarterback that can run around, make plays, find that open spot while they're running back to the quarterback so he, you get those 30-yard, you know, dump off plays that should have been a sack you know that's what the ravens need to find because crabtree i don't believe is that player you know i think he's somewhat limited maybe he's okay but i think crabtree and sneed i think are kind of the same guy you know they almost if if the ravens have another big wide receiver they need him to be dynamic and really a deep threat big wide receiver than I know that's hard to find, but then to be just that possession guy, because you've got two tight ends right now to be the possession guys. And in some respects with, with the Mandrews, a, a big play threat, mm-hmm. but do you know what I mean? Like, so it's going to be interesting to see how Eric DaCosta molds this team and whether he decides, all right, we're going to let the defense age a little bit. And we're going to go against the grain in this draft and draft the offensive players that we feel are falling because everybody's going defense and there's this run on defense. So they go offense. So that's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, a lot of things can, can certainly happen between now and, and draft day, but it's, uh, I, I don't know. As you can tell, I like, I like the NFL off season. It's a fun, it's a fun time. As much as I love the season, the off season is is pretty darn fun too. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I love the off season too. I mean, so to talk about some of the some of the wish list items on offense, uh, I think you nailed it on the wide receivers to have a dynamic, um, just super fast guy. I think is is would would do wonders uh, for this because you know I referenced Pat Mahomes uh, earlier and the kind of circus play that Lamar made. You know, can we even try to replicate their personnel a little bit uh, and have, like, just the crazy speed outside and have, you know, the talented backs? I know that, you know, they have a little bit of turnover there with Kareem Hunt, but, like, you know, we have talented tight ends. Uh, You know, can we get the speed at running back that probably isn't there right now? Nobody's really that fast, uh, 
kind of guy out of the backfield. But, you know, adding speed outside, I think, is going to be a big, big thing that they try to address in the draft. I know Lastly is, has good speed. I know Jaleel Scott has good speed. But, I mean, the more guys that you can have with, with that kind of those kind of burners, um, I think that kind of plays into uh, Lamar's hands a little bit and, and allows him to extend those plays and find those guys. So, you know, that's a kind of the maybe the second or the third thing that I want uh, on the offensive side. The defensive side, I mean, I, I think you're on the on the ball again. I mean, having that pass rusher, I mean, we, we're potentially losing Zadarius Smith, who led the team in sacks this year. Uh, you know, Judon's not going to be able to uh, generate pass rush on his own. You know, we got to find a young, another young pass rusher. I think, uh, you know, I, I quickly looked at a way too early mock draft um, today, and there's a Montez Sweat from, or Sweet, I'm not entirely sure how to say his name, but from uh, Mississippi State. I mean, he's a good edge player. Uh, you know, if you do bring Suggs around, you know, under that tutelage again, you know, could turn into something special. So, those those are at the wish list for me. I think you know the offensive line we might try to address in free agency, like you said, and you know attack the other positions in the draft. But uh, yeah, the the NFL offseason is awesome. We're already seeing some of it with the coaching carousel that's going on. Uh, you know that also impacts some of the personnel decisions that are going to be made. It, it, it's it's. I love, I love, you know, I, I hate when the offseason starts for the Ravens because that means that, uh, you know, they're not playing anymore. But, you know, this kind of wheeling and dealing is, is, is there what are I find really interesting. You know? Yep. yep. Exactly. There are some positives. I mean, I love the build-up to the draft. I, I don't know why, but I actually watch the combine. I mean, I I don't know why I do it, but I <laughs> usually do it at least, at least once that weekend. I will find myself sitting and watching fat guys running the 40 and i don't understand why i do it i do love the rich eisen run that's that's hilarious Mm -hmm. every year and then they compare him running against people but you know it that's great i love all the mock drafts i can't wait for our pre-draft shows and all that stuff because i'm going to eat that up Mm -hmm. you know but you know the nfl draft is and it just that's great but this offseason is going to be so interesting because it's our first offseason, as we said, without Ozzy. Yep. So, you know, how how is Eric DaCosta going to treat things? You know, is he going to, like you said, are we going to look at areas that we think that we'd go after a draft, draft pick with and maybe we go free agent? You know, we've done that some years where we've gone against the grain and actually signed some guys, you know, did – does that does that dynamic wide receiver, you know, or deep threat player that's better than John Brown, you know, become available that, you know, is perfect for this offense? Does does that edge defender, you know, or or corner or what some random player that will we sign and then we end up trading Jimmy Smith or, you know, one happens before the other. But you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles it. It's going to be interesting to see draft day because, you know, the Ravens have always been a mover and shaker for better or worse. I think sometimes you get a little – I know I always got frustrated when he, we'd get to the last pick of the round and you've been waiting all day for the Ravens to pick and then they trade out. <laughs> you know, we'll see, yeah, if, uh... we'll see if that <laughs> continues to happen, you know, with, with the Costa or whether he's – 
a little bit more even into the trade up. I mean, let's say we get some draft pick capital between a Joe Flacco and maybe a Jimmy Smith, Mm -hmm. you know, in some trades with various teams. Maybe that gives him extra draft capital to move up and grab a player that we would never expect to to get. So that maybe, you know, that maybe Ozzy would have been hesitant to do in years past. Not that he's ever not, I, I don't think you'd ever call him, you know, nervous to pull the trigger on a trade. But but I don't know. I think you've seen us trade back a whole lot more than, than we've traded up. So it will be interesting to see how... DaCosta handles all of that. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. Um, you know, this has been a terrific 2018 season for us. You know, I had so much fun doing this. Um, so thank you, listeners, for, for joining us this season. Uh, you know, we, we will continue Yeah, the to millions out- and millions of podcast <laughs> listeners that are out there. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I mean, we're going to continue to put out podcasts as we approach the draft and as we get a little bit further into free agency and, and you know, see how the offseason continues to shake out. But uh, this was Crab Takes in Football, the final game review version of the 2018 season. Go Ravens. Go Ravens. We'll see you later in the offseason. season.